when you change, when any of us change, we grow, our past is automatically rewritten by the new lens we look back from, right? Like when you have this past that defines you, you project that into the future, all of us do this, but then all of a sudden there's this drastic change in the present where we become a new person. Okay. It's going to be really emotional. There is no loss for being honest. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. Responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. It's raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. I'm scared of friendship. Taking a breath. Just talk. Shame and guilt. Vulnerabilities. That was about to be What does it really mean to be friends? But we trust you. The real work that we do is overcoming our insecurities every day and learning how to love more. It has examples of the change we want to see in the world. Just talk. taking a breath. So if we just take a breath. Well, my face is on fire from the doctors. <laughs> to have healthier relationships with women, they need healthier relationships with other men. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. So I'm in an open relationship with my husband, and my husband and I sold our house 10 months ago. We have twins that are four years old, we travel around the world, and this is my boyfriend. Hi! <laughs> Perfect! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Amory Podcast. One of the things that you've probably heard me say over the course of this podcast is that all relationships are learning vehicles. You've also probably heard me say that the learning path of polyamory is pretty steep. And one of the things that we have to deal with, all of us at different moments, are the feelings of jealousy. And that's why I'm so excited to share that we've newly released our online program called Transforming Jealousy. This is a lot of our learnings all packed into dozens of unique audios that you'll only hear in that course, as well as writings, some journal things, um, some of our fellow Amory community members sharing their perspectives and learnings on jealousy. And it's also continuing to grow as we continue to learn and add more. We would love for you to check it out. You can take a look at what we've included in there in the program by clicking on the link of our Instagram bio or going to emerypodcast.com. And you can take a look at um, that program, Transforming Jealousy, as well as the accompanying webinars. Now there are webinars that we'll do uh, between one and three a week, and those will be included for free when you purchase the online program, Transforming Jealousy. There are also standalone webinars if you're kind of like, well, I need a little tweak here with processing my fears and, oh, I really want to understand why it's so important for me to become aware of my own needs and wants in the relationship so that I can move through my jealousy quicker. All of those and more will be available as webinars and included in the the program Transforming Jealousy. If you can't tell, I'm super excited. I personally poured a lot of my own learnings into there and I'm so happy to share with you. I hope that it supports you on your learning curve of practicing polyamory or exploring open relationships. Also remember that we do offer one-on-one coaching, so please reach out to us um, via direct message on Instagram if you'd like to set up a coaching program. Otherwise, we're happy to share learnings for free in this podcast. So we hope that you enjoy and thank you so much for spending a little time with us. Welcome to another podcast with the Amory's.
All right, I'm here with Megan and Kyle. Kyle is in Chicago. Me and Megan are sitting side by side. We're on a Zoom call. So probably be in our Patreon, like the actual video. Yep. Right. We are trying to figure out where to start. So I'm going to start because I have no problem talking. Right. <laughs> and uh, what I'm witnessing is there is so much growth going on between Megan and Kyle, me and my partner, Kyle, and his new interests and new connection, new partner, new whatever that's going to become. We have to ask about that. And then then like the metamorph relationships in the future and what's opening up. And so there's a lot going on. I'm currently reviewing a lot about attachment theory. That's solving a lot of things that I've had going on in my life. And Kyle and Megan are talking about containers, mm-hmm. rules. The container of a relationship. Yeah, yes. rules and boundaries and how do you, what needs and wants are you met? What agreements are you setting with your partner? Well, let me uh, ask yeah. you two a question. I'll start with you, Megan. Okay. How are you guys doing now? Like, tell our audience how you feeling. What's new? Oh my God. Well, I, I mean, I feel incredible now. I feel like Kyle, you and I are on a whole new level of our relationship. And I think we said in our last podcast that should be released before this one, which is you and I have agreed to just kind of keep it, you know, right now it's you and Kirby and you and me, and those are the partnerships. And right now for me, it's me and you and me and Marty. That's where we're at. And we'll call that a closed container for our relationship. And this is the first time that we've really dedicated that or decided that between really between you and I. Polysaturated was a word that I just learned like a week or two ago. And it's not that I didn't understand the concept, but I mean, I'm, I'm new to polyamory. I'm new to having more than one love. I've been a part of this polyamorous structure, but I haven't actually been practicing. So I'm, I'm in a I'm in a pretty big learning curve and I probably won't even appreciate it till, you know, later. Right. But I think that I've started to feel intuitively that I'm saturated. I'm full. Unfortunately, that feeling is coming when I'm 8,000 miles from Megan and 8,000 miles from Kirby. And I think there was a divergence between that feeling and then my behavior, which I think I set the intention that I wanted to be, I wanted to be in Chicago. I wanted to be exploring. I wanted to be, to see where things go with people that I met. Obviously this was, you know, a few weeks ago or six weeks ago when I arrived here. And I think You know, in many ways, Megan and I started to drift away from meeting each other's wants and needs really simply. And I think we've done that in the past as we've navigated our distance from each other and having, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, now going to be longer than that away. Those patterns have been hard in the moment and other people have come into into our life and we've had some moments of insecurity and fear and yeah, trauma right? For both of us. And I think the crazy part is that the past is changing. We're healing. And Megan is now able to express that there were things that I did in the past that were hurtful that I didn't know because we weren't, we, we weren't at that level of communication. And I, and I didn't know that this was hurtful. I didn't know that this wasn't okay. I didn't know that this didn't feel safe for our relationship. And my, you know, my patterns of being open and being more ethically slutty, let's say, are, we're bumping into some problems with, with our partnership, which became a partnership when we were in New Zealand together, and now we're apart as partners. And I think we're, we're actually becoming partners is how I feel. We're actually like rising to the occasion of what that looks like. And, and to me, the biggest focus now has become, what are the wants and needs that I fulfill for Megan? And what are the wants and needs that she fulfills for me? And I think those are becoming more sacred to us. And and they're not just things that we're going to 
dish out to other people without knowing that that can be hurtful and also without talking to our partner first and saying like, hey, you're not meeting this need, right? Yeah, observing you guys, like I've observed you apart before and I've observed you coming back together and I've observed the last five months living with both of you as partners in your own room together, like living together. And I had, a, my initial concern is the same. Like when you two fuckers leave each other, you go out of mind at it, like you just do this thing and you're the same that way. And this is like, maybe you're both Libras, maybe you're both just scarred the same way. I don't know. But like when I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, I hope these assholes don't do it this way again. Right. Like, you know, and, and this time it's been different. And I think, Kyle, one of the things you said that stands out that I want to reiterate is we've talked about this a lot before. When you change, when any of us change, we grow, our past is automatically rewritten by the new lens we look back from, right? Like when you have this past that defines you, you project that into the future, all of us do this. But then all of a sudden there's this drastic change in the present where we become a new person a new identity emerges and that identity is more sophisticated, more enlightened, more evolved, more whatever, or healed. And then you look back on your past and all that shit that had meaning has new meaning. So like what happened with, you know, Megan becoming your partner, Megan, actually what I've been witnessing, Megan owning her own joy and love for herself and really stepping into her, her skills, like recognizing she has skills. She's been healing since you've been gone in so many ways that now that she's looking back on the past from this new lens, it's like, oh, these things that weren't hurtful before, well, they're hurtful now. And they were hurtful then, but I didn't recognize them then. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing's happening for you, Kyle. And as I watch the two of you, the difference this time is both of you are more personally healed. Both of you are a new level of working on yourselves. Both of you are solidified in some of these knowings about each other, like living together and stuff you didn't have to work with in the past. But now I've been laughing because I'm like, Kyle did what? And I'm like, okay, sure. But I have this different experience where before I would have been mad and now I'm just like, fuck it. He's just going to bang his head against this and you guys are going to grow from it because I know that the two of you, like when she does something stupid, I'm like, all right, well, that's going to come back and I don't have to intervene anymore. I have a lot of confidence in these breakdowns lead to clarity, breakthrough, tighter relationships, stronger. Like, And then I also have the lens of me and my partner being yeah. like, it'll be 11 months, you know, most likely by the time I see her. And that's kind of an estimate even now, since the last time I saw her and our relationship has gone through these breakdowns, these rewriting of rules and new leveling up of partnership, the new her declaring herself in the world more, being more bold, telling more people, being owning herself as what she needs to work from first. You know, she's very self-sacrificing to family, friends, to, to everyone else. And she's really learning how much that costs her. And that changes our relationship even better and grow, 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 grow. So I'm seeing this like my relationship with her is at the most solid it's ever been. But I had a breakdown three weeks ago, which led me into to, to looking into attachment theory, which has been incredibly good for me. Yeah. So yeah. you guys are doing great. Even, even for, for Megan. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can appreciate, Marty, the work that you and your partner have done now more than ever, because I mean, I know that the time apart from Kyle has been hard in the past and we're about to face our longest stretch since really our solidified partnership. And I have seen you and your partner grow so much in this. And I know that I've seen the breakdowns and then I've seen the excitement and the joy and the elation and open, like your heart open as you step into a new level of your partnership there. And I just, I appreciate it so much more. Yeah, I think there's like a, a knowing 
that I think you guys are also getting to. There's like, I'm deeply in love with her and she's deeply in love with me. You guys are deeply in love with one another. Like you have to then recognize that those come with more boundaries, more costs, Mm -hmm. more things that you have to define. You know, for instance, as you guys kind of close off your polysaturation, right? I've been closed on my side for a while. You know, I had an opportunity in, in London with this beautiful Turkish woman that I met and I, and uh, she's the owner of a cafe, if you're listening. Hi. Uh, <laughs> but I, when I met with her, you know, there was clear attraction between the two of us. But I, early on, this is way, this is a year ago now, I said to her, I'm like, look, you're beautiful. I, I would be totally interested in many ways. I would, I would love to have come have a conversation with you. And we did. I'm like, but my partner's new to this. And I don't want to add that extra variable. So I've kind of closed down the that type of thing for a while because I don't want to add more variables. I want to really pursue what we have right here. And I don't want to give her more stress. And I'm kind of people saturated, like fucking done with people. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> so I think at the end of the day. Yeah. And this is where I want to talk about maybe some of the myths of polyamory or what you can assume going into it that just I think is not helpful. (laughs) I think there's a lot of assumptions because if you're stepping into polyamory and you say, okay, I practice polyamory. I believe I can be in multiple relationships at the same time. I think it's easy to lose sight that we're still talking about loving relationships and consensual relationships and open and clear and transparent where you know your needs and you're able to talk at that level. And yeah, you're still kind of like falling in love. This is the breakdown. Yeah. Polyamory is not a set of practices. It's a set of values. Mm-hmm. Polyamory is open, trusting, hyper honest, right? There's a value system, the ethical, that has to be the consensual. All of this stuff has to sit inside. There's like a wheel of values. Then you apply your individual relationships mm-hmm. or triad relationships and you apply these, these value systems and you create rules that fit for you because there's no one way to do polyamory. You are not identity-wise polyamorous. Mm-hmm. It's not an identity. It's not even a set of practices because there are a million ways to practice it. It's really a set of values. In mm, my opinion. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. And Kyle, if you and I think about this, this is your longest relationship, correct? Wow. This is the Yeah. This is the first time you've considered yourself a partner of someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, maybe. It's it's the biggest commitment by far in my life. And yeah. you can see it in your body language. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> You're like, whoa, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we have to remember is that we've fallen in love, you know, and this is in 20 years. I mean, I fell in love with Marty 20 years ago. And obviously yeah. that's grown and deepened and changed and we've grown together. It's dated. But this it's is old. It's just, oh, old love, old love. But like, I had to figure out how to do this all over again, too. So I think that what we've experienced, you know, yes, we could say it falls under the umbrella of polyamory in some sorts, but it's really just like we're figuring out how to love each other and the things that we need from each other and how to support each other. And we've allowed our, our hearts to open as we've given more of our lives and created more of our, the vision of our future together. And that's, that's fucking huge. And yeah, like we've made mistakes. And I think that what I'm starting to really trust is that even though we make mistakes, we can we continue to own up to those mistakes and and just keep stepping into it. And where I get really afraid and where I've gotten afraid in our partnership or even before is like that you're just gonna jump off the roller coaster where you're just like, okay, I'm done. And that's and that's real. Like those fears are are real. You have the same fears of each other. Like you're both like, <laughs> yeah. they're gonna leave. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. I'm going to be replaced. And you both are like stupid because no, like on the outside, I'm like, yeah, I mean, right. 
I mean, <laughs> thanks, love. <laughs> here's, a, here, here's a quick story. And this is how crazy I am. Like, literally, if Megan takes interest in anyone additional, I will literally look at that person and figure out what the qualities are of that person. And I will try to absorb them into my life. Like, my, if you look at my body, my, my physical body has changed, not by accident. I did have some more time on my hands as I was traveling. But I, I literally was like, oh, there's a threat from a guy that's bigger and stronger than me. So I became bigger and stronger. And that was my reaction, which is positive also and crazy at the same time. Well, it's, it's, it's a positive outcome to a neurosis that you don't need to have, right? Like, you know, like the positive competition, like even between you and I, like that's healthy, that's good. That's it, like kind of burns that masculine energy of competitiveness. Not, not saying it's a gender thing, but like if we call energies forward and competitive, it usually falls under the umbrella of masculine. That competitiveness is like burnt into us. So it's good to have a healthy outlet for that. But like to, to guise two, it under fit bodies, to, bad. to hedge against being thrown out. I mean, I get it. Like this is where I got to a point of confidence. I'm like, well, if I'm open, let her sleep with other people, let her have these deep, meaningful information, uh, relationships, you know, get good in the sack, be a good father, really good in the kitchen, like all these things and like practical and easy and makes money. Like she leaves me, she's a dumbass. Like, you know, you know like, you know, like there is this part of like strength that comes yeah. from that. But was this a man thing? Because I feel like, I mean, I'm thinking the same way, Marty. Like I'm, I'm now looking across the other ocean at Kirby's partner. And I'm like, all right, there's certain things that he has that, that I don't have. Obviously, there's some things that I have that he doesn't have. And like, I want to build a great relationship with him, of course. But there is this underlying competitiveness that I think is very genetic for us as men. And I think women have a, this, like, a, a very similar genetic we're all competitive we're all competitive i think by the nature of being human like we have to compete for food water air like this is something like when, when we're talking don't we have we have this thing about don't interrupt me <laughs> we have this thing about you know the human condition is to struggle because if we didn't struggle we'd become complacent and we become complacent we die like there's this kind of innate kind of human primalness to that I was talking to someone about the struggle and the struggle is like, you know, we need to struggle for food, like even plants, you need to clip them. So they struggle, they grow stronger that way. There's this quality to the competitiveness. Like if it is improving ourselves for ourselves, that's great. And to have great utility for the world, I think is a great way to serve the world. So one of the things I've been looking at is that I have great utility, but one of the problems then we then have with that, the slippery slope is that my worth comes from my utility, right? And my worth does not come from my utility. It certainly contributes to the well-being of the things around me that I'm useful, that I'm practical, that we have value there. But like, Kyle, you're not going to be replaced because of a different set of utility, right? It's more about you being in your greatest self. If you're in your greatest self, then you're in an attractive state, then why would anyone leave someone in there operating in their greatest version of themselves when they can have all of their needs and wants met and they can go to others where those needs and wants aren't being met and still have this healthy balance? It doesn't jeopardize the core. Like it should not jeopardize your value with Megan if someone has the same utility as you. Yeah, and right? I'm constantly, you know, we are all constantly seeking safety. There's a really interesting question of, what do, you, what do you do when you feel unsafe? Even, and not like full-blown triggered unsafe, but like slightly unsafe. And I think some of the things that I do is I surround myself with, with women. Like if I'm going to, if I feel a little unsafe, I'll make sure that like 
I mean, and, and it's not hard because I think that as an emotionally intelligent guy, I naturally am drawn to build relationships with women. So that's not. You're not, safe. Yeah. And it's You're not totally my, my, like my strategy. It's like that naturally is I want to spend my time around women. And, and to be honest, I think I'm learning more from women in general that is making me a better man and helping me like do the things in the world that I want to do, which are, you know, around healing and, and having positive impacts. So they just don't sleep with all of them. Correct. You know, right. <laughs> you know like, like I think, I think there's that safety part of it too. Like I, that's why I started looking at attachment theory is Megan has been building the jealousy course and we've been jumping in and helping on that. There was a section I was editing that jumped out as attachment theory. And I'm like, I'm editing this fucking thing. And I'm like, why is it standing out for me? I'm like, Oh, um, I need to hear this. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, I'm ignorant. And that is calling out to me. So I'm like, all right, Megan, I'll write the attachment theory section. So I've already read one book. I've reached out to a therapist. I'm planning on having my own therapy session public on a podcast so that we can see my process, see this and expose this to the world about what this is. But my attachment theory stuff also came up with safety and utility. Right. And the idea was like, when I'm not talking to my partner, she t- I had a breakdown with her where I really needed to call her and I didn't because I knew she was out and busy. And I was like, no, I, I need to be stronger. I need to be okay with not calling. I need to be okay with the silence. And I don't need to be a burden on her. And that was the, that was the one that broke it. The burden is the old story for me. So then I didn't realize that I was burning on that underneath the whole time. And then when I didn't hear from her, I ended up having nightmares about my mother. Well, my mother is where my disorganized attachment kind of style comes from. And then I woke up and I got the better of me and I was having nearly a panic attack when I sent her stupid messages and she was super upset and then super compassionate and then helpful with me. And it really made me realize I have this dialogue of fear going on that comes from this attachment issue and this utility that I have. It's great. I am useful, but it's not where my worth comes from. And I keep projecting that I need to be this way in order to not be left. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really that's where the slippery slope lies. I want, you know, you make me compete, Kyle, in other ways. Then there are other ways that I just completely surrender. Like, Kyle's, this is why all the women are around you, Kyle. You're safe. You're sweet. You're emotionally intelligent. You're authentic about what you're doing. Like, you know, now you've got your sexy mountain man videos online with your Instagram. <laughs> and these women are like, sexy. Some, some women are breaking up with their boyfriends because they realized you've set the bar too high for them, Kyle. And like this bar is high and it's good and it's okay to be that useful and it's okay to have all of that. You know? I think there's such a fine line between wanting to satisfy and fulfill our own needs and not, not needing anyone in that way, you know, not to be dependent on someone. And then also realizing that we are social creatures and we do have social resources around us. And that, you know, when we're in our darkest times, like, yes, we like on the previous podcast, Marty, you talked about when you're unsure of where you are, how to orient yourself, you kind of need to have some solid points around you. So it's just really interesting as you navigate, because it's not just one thing, you know, we want to be able to be as secure and stable for ourselves in ourselves without needing anyone. But at the same time, we're human and we do need other people. So it's like, how aware can we be of like where we are in that spectrum? Well, I mean, I was saying it's a paradox. And I just to close the loop really quickly on the on the part of like, I'm not saying that men are competitive genetically and women are not. I'm not saying that. I don't want to piss off everybody. And, then I, and I don't believe that. But I am, I am investigating and exploring my own masculinity. And I am looking at the world through that lens right now. And I'm seeing that the world's really fucked up and men are running it. So 
one plus one equals it's the man problem here. And, yeah. and what's the problem with men? We go to a fucking fear state real fast, real fast. And, and, and Megan has like calmed me down and she calms you down, Marty. And there's something about us that we go into that state so fast. And it's like, why do we feel so unsafe? Why do we feel like we're going to be discarded? And I think if you look around the animal kingdom, I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples of you germinate, you use the man, discard it. And I don't, know, I don't know what that means, if there's something biological about it, but I think there's something that men are, are carrying generationally, let's say, or we all have to work through our traumas a little bit better. Because, and I think there's a whole emotional side that's huge, a huge part. Yeah, you and I, I think Marty are going to be tackling a lot more of this. But to me, it's like, there's something there about fear and masculinity and things that keep cropping up for us. And, and I don't think we're just like any other type of guy out there. We're, we're pretty advanced and we're, we're doing the best we can. But we still are confronted by this thing that's really, really deep inside of us. And I think, to me... You can call it jealousy, but at the core a lot of a lot of this for us is fear. Yeah, and I think the jealousy is the vehicle of the fear. And like what we have, you know, so quite often jealousy is the first thing we experience until we find the fear. But you you're right about the masculine part. You know, that's why you and I are gonna have a masculinity conversation on it with our patrons that identify as masculine. So trans welcome, non-binary welcome, anybody that's experiencing and, and wants to have this conversation about real masculinity and what it is, where it's going, what we experience about it, we definitely need to unfold that. And your competitive nature is in that. We're either like brave or cowards. Like, mm. And I think we're called cowards for all the wrong reasons. Like you're cowardly because you cry, but no, we're cowards because we're afraid of fucking everything, right? Like, you know, and there's a difference there. Yeah, I'm so glad that you bring that up because I do think that the people that have major positions of power right now, you're right, are do get into this fear response. And I, I wouldn't even, I would bring it out way more general than just gender because I think we're all capable of going into that fear response. So I think what we do is we collapse the, the present moment. And we take how we feel and then we project that into the future. And if what you're feeling in the moment is completely unsafe, insecure, afraid, you know, for Kyle, you and I both had a moment where we thought our relationship was over. Like we both were sitting in there and that projected future is crushing, you know? And I think what we both had to do was just come back. And instead of saying, well, that's the future that's going to happen was like, just say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Like right. I'm experiencing fear. And that's one thing I think the men don't do <laughs> is like, it, you don't sit there and own your feelings. You know, there's very rarely do you actually see like someone say, or even in the heat of the moment, not attack the other person, but actually say, I'm afraid because that for you and I, Kyle was like the turning point. We both realized I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this. Okay. You're afraid of that. Oh my God. Let's, and I actually said in that call, the, <laughs> let's not project from here. Like I cannot create the future from this state. And I think that that was so important. And I think if we extrapolate that on a big level is like, we can't create from a place of fear. Like no, that's we what have to create of, from a place of safety. Exactly. That's the Kung Fu statement, right? <laughs> but that, you create from a place of safety. If you're not in a place of safety, you get to a place of safety. And then that's create. the how. So how do you get to a place of safety? And I think the conversation that's coming up for me is actually even identifying my, my wants and needs and identifying out, fears. I think like um, you, you like that, I think is a real topic. True. Like you yeah, need to be able safe. to. I feel safe when I know that I'm meeting her wants and needs. And I think if that slips or if I see, oh, that this, this other guy is, is really emotionally intelligent. It's like a quick boom. I'm feeling like, uh-oh, 
and it's just immediate and it's through well, that's the fear that has to be talked about that's what you guys have to put on the table it's like let's take it to the fear of spiders naturally do you make fun of me for this did you well somewhat but do you mm -hmm. go and handle the spider for me yeah, yeah because you don't want me to I deal with that spider. spider and i've since had a better relationship with spiders right? like uh -huh. you don't kill spiders just like get them a new home somewhere else but like Ultimately, we manage. We can help manage each other's fears, and I think that's what me and my partner got to. She was really helping me manage my fear, and it allowed me to then see it. And now, like I can see, I can actually observe the thoughts happening, and I can stop them and be like, "Oh, that's the old version of me. That's the fear. That's the attachment issue. That's not serving me, right? I'm projecting from that fear. I'm done with that. I'm going to project what I from what I know, and from what I know is that I am not being replaced." From what I know is that this relationship is going way better. From what I know, there's tons of love here. From what I know, like, I'm going to project that. And if it breaks down, then I haven't lived 30 days in fear until the breakdown. Like, I haven't died a thousand deaths. You know, I die one. Right. Hi, Megan here with a quick invitation. I would love to have you join the Amory community. You're already listening to us. Why not talk to us face to face on a monthly call? We would love nothing more than that. In fact, that's what we do with our patron members right now at the $20 a month level. We have community calls. We have both women's and men's groups, people identifying as male or female. Welcome to join. We love hearing from you. We know that having community and feeling connected to people that understand you is really important. We know that because it's really important to us, and it's one of the benefits that we get by hosting this podcast and having all of you reach out to us. What we want to do is connect more of you with each other, so please join us as a patron. You're not only supporting us in the continuation of this conversation, but you're also giving yourself access to your own community of people with shared values, open minds, and open hearts. So click on the link in our bio on Instagram or visit amorypodcast.com. Also, a nice little benefit is that you receive discounts on our programs like the Jealousy Course. If you join as a $20 a month patron, you will get 50% off of the Jealousy Course. That is a $50 value. So we invite you to join us um, and we thank you for listening to our podcast as always. So back to that conversation. And I think to be really vulnerable, I've been competing with you, Marty, from the beginning to keep up with your level of letting Megan do anything, letting your other partner do anything. Like you, you're really open. I mean, you've closed yourself off for the, for safety of others, but you're, you're, you've been open from the beginning and you haven't had those, those rules and boundaries. And I think I wanted to be there. I want to be that like cool, chill Zen guy that you talk about. And that, that's like, that was the difference. What was me actually admitting I'm not there. I don't feel safe in, in this open environment. And I think that's, that was like the moment of like pure relief, but also acknowledgement that that I wasn't there and I want to be there. And I think Megan and I both want to be, you know, more evolved, more, we'll more open. Yeah. But I think we were not there. And, and sometimes you guys are hypocrites. Like sometimes I watch you guys and I'm like, oh, she can't oh, text yeah. messages, but you can go be a slut. Like they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, like, we talk about no, that. But, but We're no, a good you, mirror you, for you, each other. You know, it's good. Because I have to because defend my sluttiness on it's said, but. You know, it, it's safe. It's PG-13 most of the time. Like yeah. at the end of the day, like what I really hear is 
Yeah, you want to, you know, in some ways adopt some of the principles I have and want to feel that way. But that's not I'm not you. You're not me. You're gonna have to go through it on your own path. And like I went through dealing with you, you know, and then other people in this. Now, yeah, am I the coolest fuck Marty, right? With Megan? Yes. We're am I there with, so stable. Am I there with my partner all the time? No. Right. Is she closed? No. I'm closed on my own choice mm-hmm. for her, for Megan, for my partner, because I don't want to add any more variables into the mix of everything, right? And to some degrees, I'm polysaturated in the sense that like, I, I don't want to manage another deep relationship right now. But no, I have to deal with the fact that my partner is not closed. And she gets like 60 messages a day from like 60 different men that are like super aggressively courting her or want her. She is also curbed what she's doing with others because she, not even because of me per se, but maybe because of what she's experiencing with me is so awesome, right? It's hard to match that. It's the same thing for me. Like what I have so great that like to meet a woman who's like in her infancy of of her own self to like, she's just finally stepping on herself. That, that seems like really hard for me. I mean, I like for me, a relationship that would fit now would be someone that's either equal or more experienced than I am. Someone I can learn from someone I can, but right now, like I can't be teacher anymore. Right. I can't do that. So I've really kind of learned why I'm not able to connect and, and yeah. So I think it's really interesting to watch you two. Yeah. I had a big insight. I think Stepping into the world of polyamory under the set of values, right, Marty, that we discuss here, I think I really started to look down on monogamy. I think I started to look down on monogamy as like a lesser than relationship. No, really, I did. It was like, ah, yeah, those people that just think you can love one person. But I'm actually starting to revalue the structure of monogamy, which is it is a safe container. It's you saying to the other person, I'm going to just focus on you right now. And you're my world and I'm going to be your world. And we're going to see where that can take us and how it can grow. And I think that there's value there. And Kyle, for, for all practical purposes, I mean, I know you are you have another partner. You're going to go visit Kirby in Tanzania soon. But for all practical purposes, like I feel like this is our version of that. You know, I feel like this is me and you saying, okay, you know, let's really focus on each other here and your partner, just like I have Marty as a partner and like I'm really solid and, and, and it, that feels really good, but it feels safe. There's like some level of safety I think we're giving each other that we didn't have and we didn't know that we needed. And honestly, we weren't there. You know, we had to like fall in love this far to go, oh shit, like you're really important to me and I love you and I want to build a life together with you. How does that look? Like, let's really, let's really commit to each other. So in some ways, this is like a major a major commitment and and that feels really good and i'm so i'm re re loving the idea of a closed relationship in some senses well yeah. i think it's time wise the relationship all changes over time definitely right? it's closed right now it's exactly. open right now it's in its starting phase right now it's changing it's morphing it's ending it's converting like i actually don't see an end to any of these relationships. I see them morphing into whatever they are. Like, you know, there could be a point where we're all in our Portuguese farm or in Patagonia or in Costa Rica and we have like our hippie communes turning to a cult. I don't know. I could tell, I keep teasing Megan. I'm like, I think it's going to be a cult. Like, I don't know what's going on. But like, as we go, like, I could see how do relationships really evolve for me is you know, they've been these moments of deep connection, really strong, energetic connections, and they've been really 
really almost serendipitous. But how do they really evolve over time is like, maybe we're going to be surrounded by a whole bunch of people we call loving friends. And one of those friendships evolves between two people in our extended polycule and it becomes part of it. Like that's how I see things ebbing and flowing as we grow is because we're loving Mm-hmm. we're loving more openly. This is one of the things I talked about with you, Megan, is you need to lower your criteria to give someone love, right? I think this is a broadcast message to everyone that's listening. You can love your barista and not fuck her, all right? You or can, him. Or him, right? Like I'm looking at it from my lens. So like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can walk in to a place and give love freely mm-hmm. to everyone, right? And not have a requirement of them giving you love back, not having a requirement of a relationship, not requiring anything about this other than mm-hmm. love is an easy thing to give away. Yeah. Right. Whereas Megan, you've had this thing like it has to check all of these fucking boxes in order for me to give my love out. Yeah. Right. And that, that tense you up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I haven't studied yet, but the attachment styles, I think I'm in, what is it? Anxious, ambivalent, or anxious, yeah, insecure, anxious, in, ambivalent. Yeah. yeah, which means I was never really sure. So I basically stopped asking for my needs and wants to be met, and I pulled myself away. So I think that that's why Kyle, you and I drift apart when we're not physically together because I try to give you room where it's like, okay, Kyle, go do what you need to do, and don't worry about me. I'll be over here, and I'm not going to say anything, and I'm not going to tell you if my needs aren't getting wet met. In fact, I'm. I don't even think they can get met. So. I just got to be like this, you know, and I think I have to watch for that. Um, I shouldn't have needs. Yeah. Like there's this point where, and you do this with me, whether we're physically present or not, or have been doing that with me, which is like, oh, I love you, but it's ambivalent. It's like the step away of like, I'm not going to need anything from you. Because then you can't hurt me. Yeah. This is, this is something like in a home and I'm not perfect at this. Everybody's listening. This is why I'm bringing in a therapist and a specialist in this and doing a couple episodes on this. But this is a lot like you're not receiving, like, if your mom can't be there for you because she's dealing with their own shit and mm-hmm. your dad's, you know, misogynistic asshole, like at the end of the day, you're not getting, you're not able to go to them and get a consistent amount of love that you need and, and that consistency. So there's this anxiety. And so what you've done is just said, well, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to not want it. I'm going right? to not need it. Where, yeah. you know, and, and my partner has gone through, gone through some of that for me, it was like, Lots of love. Great. Mommy, I love you. Blah, 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 blah. And then it's like two minutes later, fuck you, Mario, you're a devil. Like, and then it's like, okay, there's, there's no way for me to set a template. I never knew if the love was real. So a big part of my breakdown is, do you really mean what you're saying to me? Mm. Like when she says, I love you, we're in this partnership. Are you Are you okay? Yes, I believe that for right now. But when the silence happens, mm. what happened to me in the silence in my life was, Oh, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. All of a sudden, boom, my, my mom's suicidal. Like, but you were there through you, I my know, university. I, I, I talked to my mother yeah. every morning at six o'clock in the morning. It would be. You were your mom's therapist. Like, for hours. She was so dependent on I you. would still be drunk yeah. and it would be a call and I would pick it. It would be like Russian roulette. I'm going to pick up this phone. She's going to be loving or she's going to be psychopathic or she's going to be so like she's going to be suicidal or, I'm, or she's going to mm-hmm. be drunk or she's going to be violent. And mm-hmm. for me, it's like that gamble is where I've never been able to set my base. So I have this anxious, disorganized. Mm-hmm. You know, which scared me because when I started looking at like how they look at kids with childhood PTSD, which I've been diagnosed with, with developmental PTSD, but it's also, holy fuck, if you look at some of these DSM checklists, it's like, is this kid killing animals on the side? It's like, this is, this is the path to sociopath. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, don't kill animals. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not a total sociopath, but like it, it can be scary to no. look at these things, yeah. but they can be healed. Yeah. 
And I just had uh, an insight, you know, mid-podcast where I'm like, oh, shit. Because you see me finding safety in, in knowing that I'm meeting people's needs, right? And I think now that we're talking about attachment, which to me is I've been talking about codependency, right? Which is a cousin or a stepbrother or sister of, of, of attachment theory, in my opinion. And for me, codependency has meant I need to be needed. And mm. so... So that's the other type of attachment theory. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm literally right seeing here. that like, I'm getting safety by making sure that I'm needed. And so... You have high utility. High mm. utility. And then, like, and then that's a lot of effort. It's a lot of emotional expenditure. It's a lot of... Yeah, there's, still, a, like, there's still fear and worry there in me, you know, meeting needs. So it's like, I, I need to... I'm still working through this. And I think I'm... You know, you've seen me even in previous podcasts say like, okay, we have these containers of lovers and partners and I'm still trying to figure out all of these things. And I think, but now it's, it's, I'm building this around safety and, you know, two partners being polysaturated, feeling safe in those two relationships, focusing on them and realizing how many needs that, that they meet and then, and knowing that, that they really do meet so many of my needs. Like I'm, I'm going to enjoy this and I'm not going to keep like, going out there and, and looking for more because I am really, really content and I want to grow and build the things that are really important to me. And I've never, I've never had this opportunity in my whole life. I've never had one partnership, much less the, the opportunity for more than one. Well, I think too, like the attachment theory stuff is, you know, you have this potential of slipping into an addicted for love, always being needed type of aspect of it. But the beautiful part about what I see in attachment theory is that there are counter moves so there are, there are very clear counter strategies to attachment styles. And so, you know, 50% of the population has a healthy, secure attachment where they don't go through this, my partner is out of sight, out of mind, so they're going to go somewhere else. They just don't have that experience. There's no anxiety in it. And that's where like 50% of the people that had safe, loving, secure environments where they could go to their family and know they'd be loved and have a breakdown and know that they'd be taken care of. They know that their primary caregiver is there for them, have this safety and security in their way that they relate to other people. And then there's the rest of us who have some part that's fucked up, but these, these paradigms are also, you can deprogram them. We can reprogram better structure in it. Like you can still have high utility and not have all of these needs and that are really based on fears. Right. So I feel like there's a lot there that we can unpack. And that's why I want to do a whole episode mm-hmm. on it or more than one episode on attachment theories. Yeah. But Kyle, man, you, you've got it good. Like, I think that's another reason why we have fear. Like my partner just said to me the other day, she's like, she's afraid to die now because it's all going really well. I feel that at times. Right? <laughs> so like my screen name when I was 14 years old was Sisyphus. And the story of Sisyphus is like, you roll a pebble, a curse to roll a pebble up a mountain that turns to a boulder. And at the end of the day, you finally get this job done. You wake up the next morning and the pebbles at the bottom of the hill to do it over and over and over. You never actually get over the hill. Right. And I always felt like no matter as soon as I got to the apex, I got kicked down. Life happened. Something happened. Something got removed. Something got pulled back. The disorganized attachment theory. I'm going to be loved and then I'm going to be at the greatest point where I'm at and it's all going to be ripped away from me. Right. That's been my experience. And so I've had to like detach from that and be like, no, I'm not going to be hit by a bus because I'm having the best time of my life. No, I'm not going to die right now. I'm not going to lose everything because it's so great. But I think it's something to have a testament to that life is so great that the fear of losing this is so great because it's going so great that we got to remember that it's just great. Right. <laughs> like you don't great. have to, we That's have to worry that anything like the being great does not have to raise the threat. Yeah. Be, be here now. 
be here now yeah. in this moment. I think it's, uh, I set this spiritual intention, I don't know, beginning of 2020. Yeah, I'm sorry about 2020. That was probably my fault. But <laughs> I think the, the big thing for me is like 2020 has been a lot of unknown. And that's actually forced me to become spiritual, which to me is like looking for serendipity and signs and looking for meaning and looking for stories that I connect with and looking for, and then just trusting, trusting that it's all working for us. Megan swoops in with that. I hear her voice when I'm not with her. It helps me out. It's all working for me. It's working for you. This sucks. I don't want to deal with it, but it's working for me. Right. What just occurred to me is like, I just went back to the farm, the urban farm, with the Maori group. We're going to be living there. And one of the young men there is an American, 25. And we're having a conversation and, you know, he's stressed out because, you know, he's, he's away from home for a while. And he's like living on this farm barefoot and in the field. Like he started measuring things that like he's 25 and where is he in his life? And I looked at him and started laughing. I'm like, you're going to go in the middle of a pandemic when the whole world is changing right now, nothing, the future is completely unknown and you're going to apply where you should be at 25 years old. That's all old rules. Like that is at 25 years old, you should have a house and a car and a kid and a wife and a career and you should be working on your 401k. Like all that shit burned. That's all garbage now. Like you can, those rules do not apply to the future. In fact, like you can be happy that you don't have to follow any of that script. Where are you supposed to be at 25 years old in the middle of a pandemic? wherever the fuck you are, right? Like that's where you are, right? And then going forward, where do you want to be? Well, this is the time we have to create change. So what do you want to see in the future? Or what do we have to apply to that future that we want to see? And I told him, I'm like, you see yourself as a, you know, your lost soul and you should be here, here and here. You should have a car. You should be having all this career. I'm like, but the whole world is like, we're going to be food insecure in 10 years. And the whole world is like, you know, not the whole world, Trump supporters are idiots, but like the rest of the world is like, hey, we need to feed the people. We need to get back to our roots. We're getting called by the same zeitgeist. We have the same earth calling us and saying, heal the earth, heal the earth, heal the earth. Where is the skilled labor going to be? I'm like, it's right in this fucking field, right where you are. I'm like, I'm a guy that's about to be on my eighth company that I've started in my life. I'm a serial entrepreneur and I am called to this same place. And I see this as the solution of the future. And you're here two years ahead of me with the skill that's going to be required for the future. I'm like, for a 25-year-old, you're ahead of the game if you look at it that way. You know, and I think we all have to do that right now. We have to re-examine the maps and the, the rules and the benchmarks that we have been told that we measure ourselves against. Because right now, those don't apply yeah. anymore. And I would add, too, I think we need to look at where do we derive our sense of feeling safe? Because when the sense of feeling safe, like we just spent this whole time talking about where do we feel safe in our relationships, but also do we as a society derive our sense of feeling safe from our, the money in our bank accounts? Do we derive it from the stuff that we have? Do we derive it by the prestige that we think that we have in the world? It's like all of these things that are, that are changing, that are susceptible to change. And how can we then derive a sense of, maybe this is more for myself, but how can I derive a sense of safety, knowing that I'm capable, you know, knowing that I'm capable and competent in certain areas of my life. Well, this is, I think right here, perfect example, right? Money in the bank account, food on the table, water in the faucet, you know, energy in the house. These are like sovereignty mm -hmm. that hasn't changed. Right. But what's changed is the rules and the structure of it. This is where polyamory has so many more benefits than just loving sexual relationships. Look, communal living, 
is safer economically. Yeah. Right. Any one person can have a crisis and nothing falls down. Mm-hmm. Right. The cost of living lowers. The the minimalism. The value system of supporting each other's career identity. All of these things don't apply to the old way, old model. Yeah. Because those are very monogamous, binary, very stabilized. Like they're the same. Right. Whereas we have a lot of flexibility. We're very resilient. We're nimble. Our economics make more sense. Like all these are the things that polyamory presents to the future that gives us food sovereignty and power sovereignty and all these other things that we can then, we have to burn these old ideas. Like, so we're not really losing. Do we need money in an account? Yes. Yes. Do we need food on the table? Yes, but we can do it differently. Yeah, true. I like that. And you just spent four days in Auckland and I was here with the kids by myself. And oh man, like my heart goes out to single parents all around the world because that shit is fucking hard. And I, you know, and, and not, and having that experience and then Marty having you come back and I'm like, oh God, thank, thank God you're back. You meet so many needs and, and parenting together and co co living together, you know, and Kyle shit, like missing you in our household and the hole that that left as well. It's just like, you start to see this incredible, uh, I don't know what to call it, like abundance that you feel when you're with the people that really meet these incredible needs well, of being hedged. social and yeah, Look, like the kids doing are like, things together, parenting together, having multiple adults in the household. The kids are like, can we do this? I'm like, Kyle's not here. No, like you can do that when Kyle comes back. Cause I don't like doing that. Oh, wait, wait, <laughs> Kyle, just this morning, Kira, Kira was like, I miss Kyle. Uh, the kids have said on multiple occasions, yeah, that they miss you. And I'm like, oh, just remember to relate that. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian, uh, the other day, was like, I miss playing with Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes they're like looking at me, they're like, hey, I want to go do this. I'm like, that's a Kyle thing. Like, I'm, I, you know, I'll am i play this with you. I'll do that with you. But like, everybody has their, their benefits. Is there, yeah. we got to take the Etch-A-Sketch of our lives and just shake it <laughs> and just clear the deck for everybody right now. Like, you are alive in a pandemic. Let's, we haven't had since 1918, right? The global economy is changing. It's, it shouldn't be globalized and just hyper-localized. Our planet is threatened. Our food is threatened. Our air is threatened. Our, we can't travel like we did. Our whole lives are disrupted. Nothing applies. We need to rehash all of our perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's so, uh, again, back to polyamory and what that does is it breaks you out of a script and then you realize, okay, we get to write the rules of our relationship. And like you said, Marty, like they can change. They can accordion. You know, we can have a rule that lasts for a couple of days, like the stop and repair, which is like, whoo, hold on, we need to fix this stuff. And then open it and close it and shift around rules. And Marty, you and I have known each other for two decades. Our lives have changed so much. We've changed so much. The rules of our relationship have well, changed I so think much. the rules, our like, needs have changed. Monogamy has one script generally, right? Meet each other here, fall madly in love, don't need anybody else, don't want anybody else, find careers, have kids, have dogs and cats, buy a house, have a career, have nothing go wrong die hand in hand after 50 years, everybody's celebrating how in love you you were, never cheat on any, never have any crisis, never have any breakdown, right? That's monogamy's rules. One, there's one script, right? And polyamory, there's many scripts, poly, right? There's so many scripts that you have, you have to re you have to re-engage how you engage people and you have to, you have to write new scripts and there isn't necessarily a set of rules out there. That's why you got to apply the value system to it. Yeah. What do you think of Kyle? So many things. We, we went from the high level to the low level. I think I was thinking about, I mean, I'm, I'm in the U.S. right now. And there's the conversations that are going on are very fearful. The, the election is literally who will protect America or who, who will make, keep America safe or make America safe or whatever it is. That is, that is, and I'm like, oh, I know what that means. That's, that's literally a fear game. And I think when I look at the high level and I look at what we're doing and I, I look at, 
how I feel in the world, which has changed in the last few weeks. I mean, I came back and I was like, I don't know if I want to be here. I don't know if I have a place here. But now, yeah, I feel like I'm shedding light in a time of darkness. I'm offering new ideas in a time where people are looking for answers, they're looking for truth, they're looking for reality. Yeah, I feel connected to, to a lot of people that, that are willing to listen and to be open. And yeah, there's a whole lot of people that just want to fight it out. And I think long term, I'm, I'm not interested in, in the fight it out part. So I want to create, I want to create a future with, with you all. I, I could not have projected that this is where I would be a few years ago. I could not, I could not. But that's the wildness of, of yeah, stepping into the unknown and, and following your heart and going with the, and finding your, your people. I think that, that to me is, is like, I'll close on, you know, we create communities now around like finances and how much money you make and, you know, real estate property and, and, and like education. And we don't create communities around people that you actually want to be around and want to share a life with and share values with and, to me, it's like, I feel like we're creating this community one person at a time, our family and, and whatever goes beyond that. I think, yeah, it's, it's a new idea. It's, and it's, it's so radical that it makes perfect sense. And it, and it makes more and more sense every day. You know, I feel like yeah. people are calling me, asking me questions, monogamous people, you know, all, all types of people are, are asking me more questions. And I think it's not about polyamory. It's just about questioning the script, the script that is clearly not working the systems that are not working and yeah empowering people to think for themselves and to think about and to heal like i'm always like first step heal that's it yeah, yeah i think welcome to the revolution the re-evolution yeah. like you know if you're thinking about something if it's not a revolutionary thought fucking it's not worth it anymore like go in <laughs> go big work on the healing go on the growth go on you know challenge everything you know when you can't project into the future because the future is so unknown then project a dream Protect, you know, start dreaming about what kind of vision you'd like to have and from start a, from, from, a, a, from a place, place of safety, from right? So let go of what you think the future is. past, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't take the past in the future. Yeah, yeah that's not going to be your safety. The past yeah. and the future doesn't work anymore. Their future is completely different than the past. So really what we need to do is like let go of those past paradigms, look at the future, know that it's unknown. And instead of placing fear there, place dreams and desires there. Right? And if you can't do that, it means that there's something that you got to work on in the present moment. And yeah. then just get hyper-present yeah. and bring yourself back and do the work that's there. Okay. Yeah. Do the mahi, as they would say <laughs> in, in the mahi. Maori. Right? Yeah. So like, here's what I want from my close-up. This is a great conversation about where we're going. We're going to have conversations about masculinity. We're going to have conversations deeper about attachment, about relationship structures and this polyamory, about the distance and all this travel. This is a really good check-in, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm, I'm deep into the jealousy conversation. The jealousy for me. That's what I coming. just keep building out. Yeah. Patreon is growing. Our patrons are growing. Thank you all. Thank you, patrons. Like, you know, we, oh, my God. Thank we you. double where we're at right now, and we stabilize enough to do this ongoing. So we need to, we need to double that patronage because that's where we're bringing the jealousy course. will be for patrons only. Like, you know, it's going to be really the 2.0, 3.0 of what we've got is coming, and I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of both of you. Thank I'm really you. confident in both of you. Mm-hmm. Like I could see the breakdown coming before I would be like, I'm going to jump in. And now I'm just like, no, I'm going to watch you smack your heads against the wall. And then I'm going to appreciate the conversation you have later. And every now and then I nudge. Yeah. But like Megan is like, remember that call Kyle on the, where at night she's like, I was, I was wanting to leave a message and I wasn't going to pick up the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, go leave a message. If you want to leave a fucking message, it's too, it's like your phone's right the fuck there. And then I hop in. I'm like, see, I'm like, I'm on the message too. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, Megan's leaving me an audio message and Marty just pops into the background like, she loves you. it's so cute i love you guys i really do i'm so this has been such a wild ride so far and i'm just excited you got two minutes to wrap it up no that's it we're done we're We're done done. i'm good any other closing thoughts kyle yeah i mean i think the the last thing is we were kind of dancing around it which is if you're afraid of the future or if you're afraid at all there's something in the past that you have to heal and i think that's that's really it's hard to see in the moment but Megan and I, we, we are healing the past and it feels, it feels really good. And it's literally sometimes just reframing how you're looking at it. And sometimes it's, it's stepping into what was really happening for you. And that feels really good to say, Kyle, this was hurting me and I couldn't express it. And now I'm going to, and I, and me allowing for that. And like, yeah. we're, we're healing together. Yeah. It's, this is, this is, I'm going to summarize it. So many people die a thousand deaths worried about looking at their belief system because if they're challenged, their belief system is challenged and they, they, they lose their identity. But what they should be really afraid of is not looking at their belief mm-hmm. system because that's the thing that's making them die a thousand deaths. Mm-hmm. Like we need to change our belief system. So everybody needs to start looking at what they believe and why they believe it, how it's serving themselves, how it's serving others and fucking change your fucking beliefs, change your fucking mind. All right, we're going to end this podcast. Change your fucking mind, everybody. <laughs> On that note. Yeah. Yep, right. that's it. Thanks. Words of wisdom. Change your fucking mind. <laughs> Microphone drop. Bye. Love you guys. Okay. Yeah. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Amory. We've got so much more that we want to share with you. And our podcast isn't the only platform. We've got written stuff, we've got videos, and we put everything. We've got 50 plus posts now and more and more every day of all of our private journal entries. We're talking our intimate content here. Um, And that's for those of you who wish to go on a deeper journey with us. Um, We think that there's so much more value that we can share with a smaller group of people who are really ready to do the work in your own lives. If that's you, please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Amory podcast. There's so much more that we'd love to share with you. Um, And if you're not able to contribute on a monthly basis, you can always share us. Share with your friends, do a post. We appreciate anything that you can do to help us get the word out to have more vulnerable conversations in this world. Thanks again.